I'm so excited to have these two moments together, though, friends. Um, to think this beautiful Christmas morning and all of us, whether, again, it could be morning, could be night, could be afternoon for you, we all get the opportunity just to pause for a moment and consider, think about what Jesus Christ did for us on this day. Now, I, I, I don't want to pretend that everyone who is with us today knows the story. I know we just read it in Luke chapter 2, and, and that might be new for some of us, but, but there are four Gospels. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible, matter of fact, the, the New Testament of the Bible, the, these four Gospels, two out of the four tell us about the birth of Jesus. Just two. The other two don't really mention his birth. The Gospel of Mark, that's a quick, very fast-paced book. Uh, for those of you who are three on the Enneagrams or eight on the Enneagrams, you would love the Gospel of Mark. It's like move, 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 move. And then you've got the Gospel of John, and, and John goes back actually before Jesus was ever born, and he talks about the supremacy of Jesus, saying in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, he sets a, a, a timeline for Jesus that goes far beyond just being born on some particular day. But it's in Matthew. It's in Luke. We get some details. We find out a little bit of what was going on when Jesus was coming into the world. So you, you've got Joseph, you, you've got Mary, and you've got this census that has taken place. And Joseph has to travel with his wife down to Bethlehem, to this town, the city of David, to report, hey, we're here. This is how many are in our family. Now, ladies, understand this. There are no Teslas. This is not a plane ride. This is not even an RV, for those of you who might want an RV. This is a pregnant woman on a beast, on a donkey, on her way to Bethlehem. They get down there. You've heard this before. There's no room for them in the inn. But we hear these words that we just read a little bit earlier. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. What an interesting word. Savior. Saved from what? Saved for what? This is very, very important. Because if you don't understand why Jesus even came, why all the celebration? You got to go all the way back to the very beginning, to the Old Testament, when Adam and Eve were made, and Adam and Eve decided to go their own way. They said, God, your way, your path, your rules, that's not what we want. We want to go our own way. And at that point in time, a, a, a break happened in the relationship between God and man, but not even just that relationship between God and mankind. It also happened between man and woman and, and even with, with uh, the earth and, and all of the ecosystem around. There was so much heartache and pain that came as a result of that sin. But this ultimate reconciliation that needed to happen was between humanity and God. And all throughout the Old Testament, you can see over and over again these flashes, this foreshadowing that someone would come and someone would die and that someone who would die would take away all our sins. That's Savior. You and I, 
you, you know there's a such thing as sin because you felt it coming at you or there's even times you've committed it. You've gone outside the, the bounds of what God would say is good, is in alignment with his will and his purpose. And every time you and I do this, it's a reminder of that separation that was there. But the good news of this day is that a savior has been born. And the savior has saved us from what? He has saved us from sin. He has saved us from that disconnection that we had with God. And this Savior is the one that makes everything right between us and God. This Savior is the one that builds the bridge. The Savior is the one who said, I will take the penalty of sin and shame upon myself. So when we're talking about Savior, we're not just talking about some random idea. We're talking about something very personal, something very real, something for every single heart, every single soul. It does not matter your age and it does not matter the sin what Jesus Christ came to do for all of the world is to save us from our sins but he also came to save us for something not just so we can go oh I'm saved from my sins I'm gonna live my life any way I want to we're saved for the glory of God we're saved for the majesty of God we're saved for his his fame his name his glory to go about into the world and to do good works to shed his hope and his life and his joy everywhere we go what is it you think your purpose is I want you to know that it's probably a whole lot bigger than you think because it goes beyond a job it goes beyond your bank account. It goes beyond a number of degrees that you might be able to get at school. And I pray that you have a great job and you got a great bank account and get as many degrees as you want to. But what we're talking about here is not just about some temporary things that will fall by the wayside at one day. We're talking about you and I living our lives for eternity, that we're able to make a difference in the hearts and the lives of people because Jesus made a difference in our heart and in our life. A savior has been born. Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin, and saved for the glory and the majesty of God. But, but, but when you're reading this text in, in Luke uh, and, and in Matthew, we get some insight. We, we get uh, some details that maybe we would not otherwise have if these guys had not written it down for us. A lot of stuff would be left to our imagination. Uh, now, there are a lot of things that are not in there, like who was in that manger when Jesus was born. It probably was not Joseph, just so you know, not because he was, you know, a bad dad, but because he was a Jewish man and all the, well, I almost said, well, those of you who have been a part of a birth, you know it's not like the cleanest thing in the world. And because of that, a Jewish man and the rules and the rituals of the day, he probably would not have been in there with his wife. There would have been a midwife in that room as Mary is bringing into the world this baby Jesus. Now, I just want to tell you that God puts Mary on front street. Okay, he just, he goes all in and he lets people know on the day Jesus is born, he tells some shepherds, Jesus has been born, the Savior has been born, go and see him. So Mary has no time to get her Instagram makeup ready. She has no time to get the right angle. 
No, there's none of that at all. She has some strangers showing up to her in a stable, in a manger, when she has just given birth, and they're coming there to worship and celebrate the glorious Savior that has come. God did not ask her permission for this. Ladies, imagine how you would feel. But this is all happening in the manger. But I don't want us to miss this detail. I don't want us to miss the detail that Jesus is a baby. A baby. Some of you might be celebrating your first, or second, or maybe third Christmas with a new baby. You got a toddler that maybe you bought more gifts for than they even understand. Just so you know, you could have just purchased them paper and they would have been just fine. Some of you grandparents, you went above and beyond the call of duty and you went all in for your grandkids. But with all the the toys and the gifts we can give to a, to a baby, I, I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss this. A baby. Like, God came to earth and started off as a baby. Like, he did not come on a stallion. He came in a stable. It, it, it messes with me. That you would think he could just show up, you know, coming out of the desert, you know, Afro, coming in, <laughs> just like, hey, or I don't know, dreads. He comes in and he's like, hey, y'all, I'm here, the Savior of the world. No, Jesus comes in as a baby. And as I was thinking about this Christmas day. I just wanted to think, and I want you to think, When you hear baby, hear humility. When you hear baby, hear humility. The New Testament word for humility that's used over and over again means to go low. Like to to go down, almost to... Maybe to bow, but but it, but it has the the understanding that 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 I'm I'm not staying puffed up and above you. I'm 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 coming I'm coming low. Humility. This is a word in our day and age that I don't know what happened to it. What is going on that there's such a lack of humility? The scriptures are clear that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Maybe we're not walking in the grace of God the way we can. It's because, maybe the reason is because we're lacking so much humility. Maybe we're so concerned about being brought high that none of us are thinking that Jesus came as a baby and he came low. This wonderful Savior of ours could have come in any shape form or fashion. He could have come strong. He could have come ripped. He could have looked he could have looked like Michael B. Jordan, like my wife would want him to look like with his abs and everything. Honey, you know what I'm talking about. And those of you who are new to the church, just ask somebody who's been at the church for a while. My wife has this thing for Michael B. Jordan. And you're probably like, you know what? I pro- I do too. Kudos to you. He could have come ripped, shoulders bulging, biceps. I mean, he could have looked like the rock. He could have looked like, I don't know, 
Messy, he could have looked like who you name who you would want Jesus to look like, but he came as a baby. In our day, how many wars could be stopped if there was humility? How much sexism could end if there was humility? How much racism could end if there was humility? How much political infighting could end if there were humility? How much classism could be pushed by the wayside if there was humility? You've asked uh, whatever problem there might be in the world, and I say if you insert humility into that problem, the problem can become better. I'm not saying it's the fix for everything. I'm not saying you need to be a, a, a mat and be walked all over. I'm just saying Jesus, the Savior of the world, decided to come in as a baby, non-threatening, no power, sitting around, got to wait for everyone else to do something for you. That's how he showed up. Why? I, 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 think, I think it announces, I think this type of humility announces a couple of things. It announces, I'm here to honor you. Now, yes, Jesus came to bring glory and honor to God first and foremost, no doubt about it. But there's something about coming as a baby that says, I'm here to let you know I want to value you. I think it also says, I'm here to serve. I think he could have come in a bunch of ways. He could have come as an adult, could have come as an old man for sure. But coming as a baby, I think, says and announces these things in a beautiful, in a picture that, that I don't want us to miss it during this particular holiday season. I don't want this to go in one ear and out another. That this humility that we see displayed in Jesus can make all the difference in the world. Husbands, wives, teenagers, kids and parents and grandparents, single people, married people, can you enter some situations of conflict like a baby, non-threatening, coming low? And let's see what type of healing and restoration and salvation we can see happen as we come at this the way Jesus did. I don't want us thinking that's, that, that, that this humility is just... Some, some weak sauce that Jesus is just kind of sitting back and just kind of taking it like a man, if you will. He does, but this humility brings victory. Here's my verse. Here's our verse for the moment. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 8. It says, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus, he humbled himself. He went low by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see what his humility did? His humility also brought victory. 
And I just want to let you know that that same type of humility will bring you victory. Not just victory for yourself, but victory for your family and your community and even your nation as it all is found in following after the steps and the path of our glorious Savior. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he humbled himself in birth. He humbled himself in life. Then he humbled himself in death. But God did not leave him dead on the third day. He rose from the dead in might and in power. And you and I are celebrating his birth today, not just because he was born, but also because he died and he rose again. So this, this humility that we see it exemplified in Jesus. Maybe you've been turned off from church and church people because you feel you haven't seen this humility. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, the church and Christian leaders, for the times that we just messed up and went our own direction. The times we decided to not walk with humility, but walked in pride. Forgive us. But in this moment, don't let the chatter of some of Christ's followers be the thing that keep your eyes hidden and your heart hidden from the beauty and the majesty that is found in Jesus Christ. Today, he's knocking on all of our hearts. And those of you who are followers of Jesus, this is a moment for, just us, for us just to remember, wow, this is how our Savior came. But for those of us who have not yet become followers of Jesus, this is your moment to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I want to give you my heart and my life. Would you do me a favor, friends? Bow your heads for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice right now and you're thinking about your own walk with God, saying, I have not yet humbled myself before God. I have not yielded my heart, my will, my way, my path to God. But on this Christmas day, you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. You don't want to be first in your life. You want Jesus Christ to be first. In this moment, I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. And it's just you basically saying vows to God, if you will, and because the cross and the empty grave are God's vows to you. Pray with me, my friends. This is a moment of transformation and life change for you as you humble your heart before God. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Would you give me the power to live for you every day of my life? In Jesus' name, amen and amen.